And we are live. We're live. Hello, hello. Hello. And um, this is, we should say this is take two because obviously we got the giggles the first time round. So, um, but we, we've, we've done well with these so far, haven't we? We haven't any bloopers so far. Until now. Until yeah. now. Until now. It was always yeah. going to be the first. And now it's, now it's fine. Ever professional. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> welcome to Strong Tea Quick Brews. Uh, this is a mini bite-sized podcast version of our master big brother podcast which is called strong tea i'm katie from strong and brave and i'm vicky from late in life coaching and together we do make up strong tea which is a podcast designed to talk about the difficult to talk about subjects uh things that are taboo things that maybe people feel a bit uneasy talking about but important conversations to have uh things that we hope will educate ourselves uh, but also educate you guys as well so if you haven't listened before the important question that we always ask start of every episode is what tea are you drinking this week i am drinking green tea in my rainbow cup every every oh, yeah I every love day that. Is a fresh start. um and it's just reaffirmed that i don't like green tea don't yeah don't anyone does i well I, my other half does but i i'm i'm not a fan i'm sorry i've given it another go but it it's does grass yes it does tastes like grass yeah yeah how about you are you you having better luck um I am having better luck I've gone for um a pucker tea herbal <laughs> and it's peppermint and licorice oh lovely mm, very nice. nice helps with the digestion which aids the fish finger sandwich that I just had for lunch oh nice yeah, yeah. I, know. I know it's good. good and we could talk about fish finger sandwiches and food all day because we we've, we've talked about food on quite a lot of uh, occasions however mm-hmm. today the topic is not fish finger sandwiches it is time to talk day which is happening on thursday the 3rd of february it's all about mental health and encouraging the conversation of mental health so what vicky and i thought we would do is create a bit of a resource for people on both of our separate website websites um, that's latenlifecoaching.com and strongandbrave.co.uk Uh, we thought we'd put together an A to Z of mental health um, because I think there's a lot of things that sort of get forgotten about when, you know, you sort of talk about mental health and you think about the obvious things like anxiety and depression and medication and Mm -hmm. those things. But there are a lot of things I think are interweaved with mental health that get forgotten about. So that's Mm -hmm. what we're designing this chat for, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think people just think the obvious ones with kind of mental health, but there are some others that people just generally forget about, or even that they have them themselves, but they don't recognize it as being, you know, a mental health issue or or in need of help. So yeah, kind of that demystifying it as well. And, you know, the whole very point of time to talk is to make it a conversation where we're more honest and open about it. Absolutely. And I think we've we've said it before um, and we'll, we'll say it again, you know, absolutely opening the conversation with anyone around you, whether it's a work colleague, um, friend, family member, mm-hmm. asking if they're OK. It's a very British thing to do, isn't it? To say, hey, how are you? And the other person says, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. And that's it. You know, but yes, I'm fine doesn't always mean yes, I'm fine. And if you ask again, you know, are you really OK? That's when. A lot of the time, I think people will start to, because it sort of opens them up to say, well, this isn't just a token question. This actually means the person wants to know. And that opens up the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, me and my stats, one in four of us are going to um, suffer from a mental uh, health problem in any given year. 
So mm-hmm. that's quite a high statistic. So, you know, with those stats, one of you in, in a group of friends is more than likely going to have a, a mental health issue or something that they're really struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've said it before and it is becoming a bit, actually it was in take one, it, it's becoming a bit more of a conversation. It's becoming a bit more um, known that, you know, and, and accepted, but it's still, yeah. a yeah, it's still not taboo, but I still think there is a bit of a stigma attached to mental health that just needs to be demolished. Absolutely. And I think it's, even though it's getting easier for men as well, I actually think it, we've got a long way to go because there are certain things which we will talk about, which people might just think are a part of everyday life, which actually Mm. can impact you and your mental health quite specifically. And you, you said one in four people, that's an incredibly high number you know and and people sort of don't take as much attention I don't think people don't pay as much attention or take as much care of themselves when it's a mental health issue they you know if their arm was hanging off they'd obviously go to a hospital and get that sorted but people are like you know I've been suffering you know I'm, I'm incredibly down I'm like you know I can't get out of bed I haven't got any energy I'm feeling incredibly low all the time oh but it's just a phase and it almost gets put to one side as, oh, it's just, it's nothing. Yeah. Whereas no, you know, it's about recognizing when that's not normal mm. and actually reaching out and getting help, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, I think people think mental health in its stereotype form is, you know, someone crying all the time and, you know, and, you know, not everyone will display mental health or what they're struggling with on their sleeve or on, you know, on their faith, face or in their actions. They, will try and hide it maybe because they don't want to burden someone else and it just having that loaded on top of you is a lot and it yeah it it is a lot and it can have absolutely detrimental effects I think it leads us on to um our a of Mm. a to a to z mental health which is anxiety uh, which Mm. is something that I've suffered with for years and one of the things that people always say to me is I'd never have known and I guess you know when you have people who are high functioning alcoholics who are able to go to work they're able to function on a normal basis and no one would know that's how I was with anxiety that's and and it still is I, I know how to manage it now and I know what my triggers are and I know all of those things about me because it's taken me many many years to know but people wouldn't have known and therefore because I was always bubbly and mm. noisy some might yeah. say I don't know um, <laughs> no, um, no. people wouldn't always say are you okay and actually sometimes that's what I needed mm. you know but I did used to really enjoy partying and drinking a lot was I using that as a bit of a cover possibly mm. so you know it it says I think there's a lot of people who probably struggle with anxiety who think oh it's just I'm just a bit of a worrier I know mm-hmm. um I had grandparents who were a bit like that and people would say oh they're just a worrier when actually you look back and you think well is that was that anxiety mm. you know because I've, I've actually heard people say oh well, we never had that in our day whereas that's not true you did have it in your day it just wasn't as widely yeah. talked about and I think that's now it's becoming part of the conversation and people are recognizing the signs mm. I think it's also important to recognize the signs in yourself mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, anxiety is a bit of a, a stereotype. People have in their heads what anxiety looks like and what an anxiety attack can look like. A lot of people think it's, you know, absolutely shaking, having that meltdown, whereas an anxiety attack can be quite silent. It can be mm-hmm. an internal, you know. So anxiety and the, because anxiety is very much um, an emotion and all those physical things that go on inside my body, in your body, but the conditions like general anxiety disorder, there's a whole load of things that goes on with that as well. So anxiety is a bit of an umbrella for a lot of things that could be happening. Um, And I think it's definitely something that people should learn more about um, because there is a difference between just feeling a bit nervous to anxiety to, you know, general anxiety disorder. There's, there's a whole spectrum there. Yeah. And that was one of the things when I was diagnosed, um, they just said to me, you, you know, you have to, you have anxiety. And I was like, right. Okay. What does that mean? And this was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe mm. 10, 12 years ago. And I, they didn't give me any further information. And I went off and I researched and I read books on it and, I got a therapist and I started to understand more and more about myself. Mm. And, you know, it was narrowed down to, it was generalized anxiety disorder. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'd never even heard of that Mm. until a therapist had actually helped me work out what it was. Mm. And I just think there is so much to learn about mental Mm. health that really, even now, even though it's more of a conversation, we are just scratching the tip of the iceberg, it feels like. Absolutely. And I wasn't going to talk about it, but Oh, I will now. Um, so yeah, I, I've also um, been told I've got general anxiety disorder, but I've been trying to get a diagnosis for adult ADHD um, because there is um, a miss. Sometimes things get misconstrued or misdiagnosed. So GAD, which is a general anxiety disorder, is often the same symptoms as adult ADHD. Okay. Um, and what they think is there's a whole load of women out there who believe they have GAD or have been diagnosed with GAD when actually they have ADHD okay it's just a very difficult thing to diagnose and there are a whole host of other symptoms and side you know things that happen along with ADHD other than you know the the things that happen in anxiety when you're having anxiety um so yeah I, I very much feel that that kind of physicality when it comes with anxiety it just feels like it's dialed up to to 11 sometimes and it is a difficult difficult one to control and it comes across as being confident and bubbly yeah and on the surface cool as a cucumber you know but underneath it's that duck kind of going going a million miles an hour across the pond (laughs) yes yes it's the second time we've talked about ducks today as well isn't it oh yes (laughs) yeah I love a duck (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm going to move on from that otherwise we'll be talking about ducks and uh, ADHD all day um we're not going to go um a b c d e and go all the way through because we'll pop those on our website um but we're the next one we're going to go to is c which we've got down as chatting which is the core thing behind mm. time time to talk day isn't it yeah absolutely and actually behind strong tea um and quick brews um time to talk in and the very essence of just chatting and talking it out is is just so powerful um you know counseling therapy coaching uh, the ability to just talk it out in a safe space is something that cannot be underestimated um you know i've been to counseling and coaching 
and both have given me light bulb moments they've given me help they've given me clarity and when you think a problem is unsolvable even just talking it out can help even if the problem hasn't been solved yeah does that make sense Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I found that I find that even after um, I've had therapy sessions and I might have cried all the way through mm. and it's felt horrendous. But I come out and I always feel a little bit lighter because yeah. you kind of feel like even though you're not solving the issue, because it might be something that's so big that can't be solved, mm. you're lightening the load by yeah. sharing it. And that person, like you say, it's that safe space of having that person and I always say a therapist is great because they're impartial and they're just designed to listen but if you can find the right person in your life for that as well and you know as someone that's not going to judge someone that's not going to try and fix things someone that's just you know literally going to listen I think that is one of your biggest strengths Vicky you are such a good listener every time I listen to you listening to me I'm like I wish I could be good like that (laughs) I've got my mouth so I can't help it (laughs) but it's having that person who can just sit and absorb and listen Mm. I think is so powerful yeah absolutely no it really is and I think I'm 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 a funny onion because I'm kind of one of those I'll listen and I'll be thinking I want to solve the problem but then the other half is well no this is you get people of two camps those who want to solve the problem and the other that just you know just want to vent does that make sense friends will come to you with a problem they either want you to help them solve it or they just want to vent and it's kind of that judgment call of okay what did they want me for because in a professional capacity it's pretty it's it's fine but when a friend comes to me it's kind of making that judgment call of you know because there's an itching part that I just want to solve the problem yes actually as you're saying chatting and just having that space as a friend or as a you know relative it's invaluable it just yeah and I don't even think the conversation has to be incredibly deep you know you know we already mentioned um asking twice about Mm. if you're really okay and if someone says no do you know what no actually I'm not I'm just having a really hard time at home at the moment and you just sit down and have a cup of tea and you might talk about what's going on at home or you might talk about something totally different but it's given that person chance to escape a little bit yeah I think a lot of people shy away from asking someone if they're okay because it's like oh god they're gonna unload everything onto me and Mm. I don't think I'm ready for that and I don't think conversations have to be like that I think it's just a case of being ready to listen to whatever that person you don't have to have a solution it's just it will mean more to that person who's struggling than you can actually imagine I think I think one thing I've learned from doing these strong teas and the conversations that we've had particularly the upcoming one that we'll be releasing um is very much I've stopped saying if you need anything you know where I am Mm-hmm. I'm now being really directive and saying, is there anything that I can help you with? Is there yeah. anything that I can do? Um, because it just feels a bit, I don't know, not dismissive, but oh, if there's anything that I can do. And as you said before, just that asking was, oh, I'm fine. It's that kind of yeah. easy breezy. Oh, well, if you need anything, whereas it, being that directive, I'm finding it's a bit more I don't know. It's just an easier thing to ask because then you know if that person needs you and can approach you. But people are probably more likely then to actually think. So if you say, I'm here if you need me, the direct response is to say, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, but you might 
then think, oh, well, I do need help. I don't know how to approach them. I don't want to put this on them. Whereas if you say to someone, what do you need from me? Mm. I think it puts someone on the spot and they might say, do you know what? I'm, I'm okay at the moment, but I might need this further down the line. I found that very much when I was grieving, you know, in the early days when it was so intense and people were like, you know, just let me know if you need me or get in touch. And I was just like, I didn't have the energy to mm. reach out. But then I had people say to me, when you're ready, let me know and I will bring this for you. Mm. Or let me know and I'll, I'll be there. I'll come over or yeah. what do you need from me? And it was it was those direct things that kind of put you in a space where you're thinking it's not just an open offer. Mm. It's actually saying, I will bring you a lasagna at mm. this point when you feel like you can eat a meal I will bring this to you yeah and yeah. It, 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 I think it it means more and it's more it, it gives the other person not not it doesn't really give them an out does it no no absolutely it does make them think about what they need because it's so easy when you have a mental health problem to be consumed by it it's difficult to put you first um, and so it's important to actually think, well, what do I need right now? What, what, what actually do I, do I need to make myself better? Or what, what can it, cause it, it can feel really isolating. Yeah. Um, and just putting yourself first by thinking like, what do I need by being prompted is, you know, yeah. hugely powerful. And people don't always know what they need, do they? No, that's, no. That's the other thing. I've, I've found that in the past and I'm like, some days I'll be able to say, this is what I don't need. And I'm quite good at that. I don't need um, green tea, enjoying that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't need that. That's not helpful. That's what I want to avoid now. But actually, when someone says, what do you need? You're thinking, oh, God, what is going to make me feel better? You don't always know. But I would say if you are struggling with, you know, an, any any form of um, mental health issue, you know, doesn't have to be severe, you know, whatever mm. it is, if you're even suffering from loneliness, if there's something that makes you feel better, mm. make a note of it, you know, yeah. whether it's a mental note or a physical note or um, having a cup of tea in the garden with a friend, you know, oh, that, do you know what, that really brightened my whole day just doing that. Right. Okay. I'll remember that for next time. And it's those little things that you actually make a mental note of as you go through that you mm. think that really made a difference to me. I want to do that again. I want to do something similar. And it, I think if you start to build up a bit of a bit of an arsenal of things that will help you, yeah. I think the better chance you have of working your way through it, because it does feel some days like it's a uphill struggle, doesn't it? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive journaling fan. It's one of my go-to things to tell people, you know, that journaling is, it's really powerful. And I know Pete, you know, what's writing stuff down going to, it changes everything it really really does and there's obviously different variants of journaling and so on so um we just made a j in our uh alphabet there although we did haven't even got that one down need to put that that down no well you know what i was going to say something else then and then i thought you know we would just be on chatting all day which is um (laughs) so moving on to f uh which is about finding help Mm. now i yeah I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because I've become so immersed in my own mental health over the last couple of years that I am so aware of where to find help but I don't think that's the case for everyone is it 
No, I think I think the very notion of trying to get help in the first place can be daunting. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think of finding help means you're admitting it or finding help is acknowledging that, oh, something isn't quite right. Um, and just for the record, there is no normal. There is, you know, saying something wrong. It's not wrong. It's, yeah. you know, it's it's some, yeah. Like you said before, if, you know, you're, leg was hanging off or your arm was hanging off or it was a physical thing you get it mended well, your, mm. your brain and the chemicals are no are no different yeah um so yeah it, it's just a more complicated organ that's in your head that you know yeah. can do its own thing at times um so yeah I think that very notion of you know recognizing that there's some something's gone askew or you know it's gone a bit funky it, it's time to kind of seek the help that you need yeah. And again, the stigma attached to finding help or getting help is something that needs to be completely quashed yeah. um, because it, it's it's no different from seeking physical help. It's not. I really don't understand where the stigma came from originally. Like, I don't understand why someone thought that, you know, you were weak if you, mm. you know, you had certain issues or, you know, I don't understand how because someone's responsible for that yeah uh, the point yeah. Is, but you know <laughs> at some point you know someone would have said oh you know your legs hanging off you need to go to a hospital but at some point somewhere someone has said mm. you know like the whole stigma of um you know boys shouldn't cry you know someone started that because yeah. it was like boys should be strong and boys should be tough and actually no because that breeds a man that is unable to show and share his emotion yeah. and and be in touch with that and I mm-hmm. think you know the fear that comes from it and I'm not just saying it's for for men because I know um female friends of mine have struggled with certain mm-hmm. issues and are too fearful to mm-hmm. admit it to themselves admit it to other people go and seek help because the mm. stigma attached to it and the mm. worry about judgment and tr- uh, treatment you know all of those sorts of things that come with it yeah is is quite terrifying I think the the good thing about the world that we're living in now is the fact that you know there's so much knowledge available and I think knowledge is power mm. you know it's about if you think you know, you're concerned you have a certain mental health issue or, you know, you're worried about anxiety or anything like that. There's a lot of research reading online from reputable places, I will say, places like Mind, um, Samaritans, Mm -hmm. you know, Rethink Mental Illness as well. Really good resources to check out online to read Mm -hmm. through so that you're able to sort of get an idea and think, right, is this me? And I think also with doing that, you realize that you're not the only one, which I think yeah. everyone feels like they're the only one, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I second what you're saying completely. I think the science has caught up because I think, you know, even way back into the kind of First World War territory with things like shell shock and PTSD, yeah. which, you know, people were there was some scientists in the background you know and psychologists trying to work out why these men were were behaving the way they were but it was very much a hush hush taboo you know and even years later you know PTSD was something that you know particularly for men it was kind of all you know man up you know but now that the science has caught up of the actual ramifications of PTSD and you know the mental fallout of you know horrific 
instances and being exposed to things, you know, even abuse and things like that and why people react and their brains react the way they do to things. The science has caught up and therefore that learning and knowledge is out there of how better to support it. But I think without those pioneers and that, you know, the psychologists and everything actually showing what is happening to the brain and therefore the behavior yeah. I think you know that stigma is but like you said it generations wise it's it's taken far too long for the stigma to be completely broken yeah and it makes you think where are we going to be in 10 20 mm. 30 years time I think finding help is actually so much braver than hiding away because you are facing up to it and it mm. It, it means that you can, whatever extent of mental health issues that you have, you can reclaim control. And yeah. I'm the biggest advocate for that in the world because I never thought, I thought I was going to be anxiety ridden for the rest of my life. You know, at one point it was so bad that it was just, it didn't render me incapable of living my life, but it was causing me a significant deal of issues. And I thought I was going to be like that forever. And now, like I said, I've learned so much about myself through getting help that has meant that I'm able to take those issues and I can control them to a certain extent. I'm not saying I don't have issues with anxiety anymore because I do, but it's more a case of being able to step back and understand what's happening to you, understand why it's happening, understand what those triggers are, how to deal with them, how you can look at things from a bigger picture rather than being in there in that red mist and that panic, you know, and finding help is scary, but it's so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. And I think the the obviously different facets of how you can find help. So things like, you know, your GP, um, you know, professional groups, therapists, counselors, but I, I've also found solace in, in um, support groups and just online chats and so on, um, particularly with the ADHD and kind of, you know, after 40 years kind of thinking, my gosh, if I had this all this time and, you know, just talking to other people about the behaviours and it, and it's that reassurance that actually it's not, it's not just me, you know talking to other people with anxiety and I think well yeah that kind of happens to me but kind of at a scale of you know over there so I kind of even felt like an outsider talking to people about anxiety because it just felt a bit odd so support groups really help because you are you can liken how you're going through or at least have someone who can understand yeah Um, so yeah absolutely do you find as well um, diagnosis? I've spoken to people in the past that have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, and a variety of different mental health issues. Diagnosis almost seems like that light bulb moment of, oh God, that makes so much sense. And it's that having a diagnosis, I actually think helps you regain your life back because you almost know what you're fighting. You know what you're dealing with and you're able to tackle it. It's funny because I'm between those two worlds at the moment because I'm obviously going through a process where, you know, I want to see if I've got ADHD. I think everyone's pretty much going, yeah, but and, but it's a really convoluted um, process to go through. And, you know, it's, full of um behavior analysis and it's quite a long process 
So I'm between the two places where if I get diagnosed, it will be, oh, of course, yes, I have a label now. This this makes sense to me. Yeah. But equally, I've had 40 years of this where I've lived with it. I've kind of dealt with it. You know, so what's the point in having a label on something that I've been able to kind of. So it's really, yeah, rock and a hard place. I think personally, I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah. um, Just because I, you know, I don't need the label, but it would just help me understand a bit more. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's this tricky thing, isn't it? The the whole diagnosis route. Yeah, I I think from the people I've spoken to have always said, actually having a label even though a lot of people don't like to be defined by labels and mm-hmm. I don't you know my anxiety doesn't define who I am but it's you know having been told I've got generalized anxiety disorder and being able to go to a bookshop buy a book on it read it and go oh yes that's me that's me yeah okay right mm-hmm. now how do we deal with it right let's try this let's try this and actually it's almost like facing up to your fears and yeah. your, your demons if you like because you're saying I know I've got this mm. I'm just I'm just going to deal with it I just need to find what works for me and just deal with it and I think yeah. it's a terrifying thought for a lot of people I totally I'm not belittling that mm. in the slightest but I have been there and I thought it was never going to be normal um, <laughs> again and actually I do live a normal um existence with uh limited issues with anxiety so yeah find help people yeah yeah it's the most powerful thing you can do and the bravest certainly is um gonna go on to jay now um and this is something that a lot of people don't necessarily associate with mental health i'm gonna let you take this one vicky job stress Ooh. so um now that we are released back into the world and everyone's going back to work or not wild in the back back into the wild (laughs) feels like that um (laughs) but it's it's now that balance of we've just come out of lockdowns working from home maybe we've been doing a bit 50 50 or whatever and now things are going to be very different and so there's the life that we've been used to for the last two years which has been just bonkers to now which is you know a new norm and the stresses that are going to come with that and then you've got job stress of a different definition which is just literally the job is stressful I think we all work way too hard we need to take note from the Swedish who do kind of four working days and you know just those yeah we, we really need to learn more about the Nordics um but those kind and you know people who are stressed they often leash out unleash leash what's the word lash 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 thank you (laughs) i can't talk today has that just become a dictionary obvious yeah now fine you pointed it out now so everyone is aware (laughs) yeah and green tea doesn't have any caffeine so that that messed up in space didn't it yay um yeah so obviously with high stress with workload that's going to mean that people are going to offload onto the colleagues onto staff Job stress is probably, and I haven't looked at the stat for this, but one of the highest reasons for kind of stress, anxiety. I know in my experience, I've I've met a lot of people where they're not exactly happy where they are. And it is mainly down to to job stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's one of those things that people 
just assume is a thing, you know, I'm just stressed with work. And there is, you know, like with anxiety, where you talk about, you know, some people are just a bit of a worrier and it's, you know, that is just how they are. Doesn't necessarily mean they have anxiety. Stress at work sometimes can be good. It can be, you know, motivating. It can be, uh, you know, it can be an encouragement tool. It can, you know, if you're working to deadlines, if you're working, you know, within budgets and parameters and things, it kind of, a lot of people thrive on that sort of situation. Mm -hmm. But it's when it gets to the point that it stops you sleeping Mm -hmm. you're starting to fear going into work um you know you you have a built-up anxiety level because of it um you know all these sort of things can lead into further issues with mental health you know they can lead into anxiety um they can lead into depression and a lot of people don't see the association they just think I'm just a bit stressed with work and I I think it's one of the things that employers are getting better with in terms of maybe offering mental health training maybe offering a mental health first aider in the workplace you know things like that but they're not always as good at recognizing when they're causing the stress yeah that's what the problem is you know it's sending the emails 24 hours a day you know uh, staff members it's putting pressure on them it's Mm. you know it's 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 got to be an all-round thing I think it's got to come from the top it has to be filtered all the way through and and it's to recognize when you're in a toxic workplace as well I think that's really important yeah and I liked what you said before about it's some people thrive under kind of tight deadlines and controlled stressful environments but I think you know one of one of the things that um, I remember being told is that burnout is exhaustion without the joy. So you can be kind of exhausted because you love the pressure and because it brings you that adrenaline buzz and that I'm getting d- stuff done. Yeah, this is brilliant. But then burnout happens because it's no longer fun. And those those balls you've been juggling, they suddenly turn into a kind of bowling balls and they're just too heavy. And it's just yeah. and yeah, and it can happen all of a sudden. Um one of our strong teas coming up is all about that and just the catastrophic result of being in a job stress yeah. situation for too long and not seeing it coming yeah. um so yeah absolutely it's a big it's a biggie yeah certainly is and it's a really important one to listen to so uh, we're going to be putting that out on the third so if you want to uh, listen to that uh, that one is going to be entitled uh, surviving mental breakdown so I'm going to jump on to M now, which I think is quite an important one. Um, it's medication. Now, you know, we talk about strong teas being a taboo, you know, all about discussing taboo subjects. And I think this is probably one of those things that we could do a whole episode on. And, you know, being on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication is still seen as a bit of a taboo. You know, it's seen as oh God, well, yeah, you know, I've got to take medication to get over this. You know, I'm, I'm obviously weak. Or I think this, the stigma needs to be removed when it comes to that. Because again, if you had a headache, take paracetamol. You know, it's not, if you had an infection, you would take antibiotics. So why shouldn't you help yourself by taking, you know, antidepressants and anti-anxiety? I think the important thing with medication, and don't get me wrong, there are some... Uh, 
there are some mental health issues that require medication on a long-term basis, mm-hmm. um, which absolutely is a necessity. But there are certain things that, you know, maybe if you address the root cause, taking meds to help you improve your mental health can be a really positive thing but it's always about addressing the root cause of why you're feeling like that I think that's important rather than just putting a plaster over it it's about looking further down the line isn't it yeah absolutely and I think in addition to that it's understanding what the medication is going to do Mm-hmm. so we talked before about kind of chemicals being imbalanced in your brain and you know if it's a little bit this way then it's making you depressed if it's perhaps a little bit that's that way then it's GAD and I think a lot of people kind of think about the stigma of medication before really understanding what the medication does you yeah. know and it's just kind of offsetting that chemical imbalance or you know it can be little tweaks here and there mm-hmm. and it can be just a teeny tiny amount it's it's understanding what the medication can do for you and I think there's a lot of fear about you know addiction and things like that am I going to have to you know am I going to have to am I going to be reliant on this and it's making sure that you understand what the medication is and having that information at your palm to then make a decision because equally it's okay if you don't if you still don't want to yeah yeah Um, absolutely I had oh go on not I was going to say, because medication isn't the be all and end all as well, because I think particularly with um, GAD, and I don't know if you had the same experience as I did, but alongside medication, you you uh, do therapies, you know, you set cognitive behavioral therapies and kind of a counseling or, you know, that it's not just a right here are the pills go off now. There's very much a sustainable behavior element that you need to address as well as just getting chemically because remember mental health is not your fault yes mental health is something that's happening beyond your control in your body yeah um and a lot of people forget that as well you know you wouldn't choose to have a mental health problem it's not like you've gone into a shop and gone I'll have one of those please and got it wrong it's you know you've not put yourself in a situation where you have accidentally caught mental health it's it's something that you have that is beyond your yeah. control yeah um, absolutely yeah I, I it takes me back to because when I was originally diagnosed with anxiety and I it wasn't anything specific about that the GP was like I'm gonna put you on these meds and at the time I was just like oh I weirdly because again like I say this was about 10 12 years ago I was like oh you know I almost felt like I'd failed a little bit, which I look back now and I think absolutely that is not the case. But at the time, because of the stigma attached and out of choice, I only decided to stay on them about six months. But it was further down the line because the GP just said, this is what you've got. Here's some pills. Off you go. They didn't offer me any support. They didn't offer me any form of therapy, anything like that. I went off and I found my own therapist and that's when I started to learn a bit more, Mm. but it was my choice to come off the pills and I I came off them when I was ready and I felt in a much better place mentally, but I met a friend of mine recently who has been put on antidepressants and she said, Katie, I feel the best that I've felt probably in my entire life. Mm. And I was just like, 
amazing because so many people that I speak to say oh I've been offered antidepressants but I don't want to take them because you know it just you know flattens your mood out and you can't get excited or you can't get low and I'm like that's not what they do and I think there's so much misconception out there especially now we have access to the internet and lots of people are spouting all sorts of stuff Mm. you know people like you say they don't actually find out what that drug does and in a lot of cases well in in all cases they're designed to help aren't they they are designed to help you and if you are getting them you feel like you've had a good assessment from a GP and that you're talking to someone as well I think it's Mm. important to to do them both hand in hand medication and therapy you know I think you can you can get right back on top of controlling you know your mental health absolutely yeah completely agree with that I'm gonna let you take the last one because you chose it weird (laughs) it's on my cv um yeah mental health can make you feel like you are the weirdest person in the world it really can it can feel lonely it can feel isolating I for me in particular it has the knock-on effects of if I'm at a social event or if I'm talking to someone I, I, I think why did I say that they're probably thinking I'm so weird and you know that's a lot of negative automatic thoughts there as well but having these things that you are so aware of because it's your mental health problem it can make you feel weird yeah but you're not weird it's no. not weird to have a mental health problem particularly as one in four of us yeah have it so it's it's very much not weird yeah it's and it's like you said like you said it can be very lonely and very isolating and I think when you start talking about it and you can even start if you join these um support chat rooms online you can sometimes do that anonymously and you can also get um apps for anxiety chat rooms as well and depression chat rooms you don't even have to expose yourself as uh, to to who you are um you can just sort of sit and you can watch what other people have to say and you will soon realize honestly I remember the first time I opened a book that talked about anxiety and it was like it was basically like a tick list of everything I'd been doing over the last several years that I was I had no explanation for I was like why am I why am I being like this why is that happening when that happens and and I I didn't know because no one else had ever said to me oh I've got anxiety Mm. When I opened this book, it was like a revelation. It was like, oh, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, all this time there's me thinking I'm weird and that it's just me and it's not. And like I say, with the resources that are out there now, if you're thinking "Hmm, maybe this is me, a bit concerned about that, you know, I'm not advocating Google as just a free for all, but looking on, you know, decent websites and we'll put some on the blog post as well that we do um like mind and rethink mental illness there's so many resources now that can help you and they don't just have things to read they have helplines and if you want to ring up and give a false name and just chat to someone then you can and that's what the samaritans are there for as well it's Mm. it's there are so many people and outlets out there now for help that it's just so important to just jump in and and just give it a go yeah absolutely I had a point then and I completely forgot what I was going to say (laughs) okay so (laughs) and I think going back with the weird thing and being and, and trying to find out a bit more I think a lot of people don't 
realize some of the things that are mental health problems the things like OCD and those kind of things that people think are weird yeah and it's like but it's it's not weird it it if it shows how powerful the brain is and you know how incredible our psychology works and it just again needs to find some rebalancing or retuning if, if that's what you choose to do or however you want to, to deal with it but yeah I think people don't often realize what is you know behavior associated with a mental health yeah problem and just label it as weird and yeah. that frustrates me as well yeah and one of the things when you were saying that I was thinking about sleep because I speak to so many people who are like I'm just not sleeping at the moment mm-hmm. I'm like well why not I don't know just not sleeping and it seems like they just accept it again like the job stress it's just one of those things and actually when you start rooting down to it when I started therapy all those years ago one of the things that they said to me was do you find you're struggling to sleep and I said yes it's one of the biggest problems that I've got because I would I'd have terrible night terrors and you know I wouldn't be able to get off to sleep to start off with Mm. and something that they told me to do which I still do to this day just keep a notepad by the side of the bed and every night before I go up I write down a list of all the things that I want to do tomorrow Mm. everything that's in my head that is maybe maybe niggling me a little bit bothering me anything that is cause for concern or anything like that and I write it all down as soon as it's out of your head you're like oh okay I can relax now and nine times out of ten I have the best night's sleep because I'm not panicking because I've written it down. I can deal with it in the morning. I'm not going to forget it. It's black and white. And people just assume that things like sleep pattern, sleep, you know, sleep issues are just a thing. And again, like you say, it's not being aware of what those things are and just thinking maybe oh, just a little bit weird, you know, Mm. whatever it is, you're not weird absolutely and if you are weird stay weird be weird I love being weird (laughs) weird is weird is the way forward I think (laughs) (laughs) right well I think we're going to stop waffling now I think we've done a lot of that um we are going to put a full list of um the a to z of mental health on our blogs Uh, there's no x so if anyone can think up an x then please feel free to let us know but apart from that we have been a bit creative with some of them but uh <laughs> but it is an a to z minus the x and uh, we will also pop um on the blog post um any help uh, resources that we can think of like mind and things like that um just if you do want to have a little look um but if anyone wants to get in touch and talk about anything like this have any questions or get in touch and talk about your experience on one of these podcasts then we'd really really love to hear from you and we'll put our contact details um on the bottom of the podcast so thank you so much for listening slash watching uh, <laughs> yes. enjoyed it and uh, we will be back with more very very soon yeah in coordinated vests oh yeah <laughs> definitely the way forward <laughs> uniform unofficial uniform oh i love it yeah let's yeah. adopt it <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching everyone thanks everyone bye